Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here with Warriors 24 and my sidekick, Cyrus Satchez. Yes, the surf man himself is uh, once again with us. Uh, no injuries to report. Probably the weather isn't really good for surfing right now, so he's, uh, he's <laughs> no. joining us. I know if you had your choice between doing the show and surfing, you'd probably be surfing, but that's okay. It's all right, but, but I love doing this show. But I love doing this show so much that I would at least debate it in my mind before deciding on surfing. So, uh, okay. Hey, but the thing is, in life, <laughs> folks, you got to have a passion in life. I don't care what it is. When you get older, you still always need to have a passion. Doesn't matter what it might be. Well, unless it's against the law, then you're crazy. But yeah, have a passion because life is so much more enjoyable when you get to do something you really love. Mm-hmm. That's why I mean, I love basketball. So I was lucky enough to be able to have my passion and get paid to do it without three zeros that they forgot on my contract. Um, but, and now, and then I got into, then I got into long drive and golf, which is mm, great. And yes. then I found, then I found fly fishing and now I found pickleball. Which so, you, you won a tournament recently. Yeah, right? I won a tournament. I played nice. into 50, 50 plus. So I was playing against guys 20 something years younger than I am. And uh, I had a great partner though. We wound up winning down in Punta Gorda, Florida. Mm. So my first real official, I played in one little local thing here, but I, that's the first official tournament I played in and uh, wound up coming away victorious, which was, which was always good because, you know, Cyrus, I still got the competitive juices flowing. If I'm going to oh, go yeah. out and do something, I'm like, oh, you know, it's just social. I said, well, if it's social, I don't want to do it. I want to play. I want to compete. Right. <laughs> What's the social stuff? You know, give me a break. <laughs> right. You know, join the social club or something. <laughs> Not when it comes to sports. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. You remember yes. last show? We actually forgot uh, because it's tough when you get old, but you're young, so you have no excuse. I do. Um, <laughs> is that we forgot to talk about Zion coming out. We did. We did. But let's get started. What about him? How's he doing so far? Well, I mean, it, it was impressive. I mean, the thing that was impressive about that first game, even with the limited minutes, is that him knocking down the threes because obviously the big thing about him was is that, well, he can't really shoot the ball from the outside and he needs to be able to do that. And he's an inside guy and powerful guy, but he showed that he has the ability to do that. And if he can continue to work at that and, and have the ability to be a threat, from even you know mid-range jumper and even shooting the threes that changes the whole dynamic of his game it takes him to another level right and so far very impressive and you know he attributed that that three-point shooting to the fact that he was hurt for so long that he had nothing to do except practice his shot yeah that's right (laughs) you you don't have to do jump shoot your set and hopefully somebody was there making sure that he was doing it fundamentally sound because the worst thing in the world that you can do is go out and practice something practice it incorrectly and all you're doing is grooving a bad habit and then it then it's almost impossible sometimes to try to break right. that habit so so all in the corner as far as learning a balance and things about coming down when he jumped and uh, movement and things of that nature because of his size and some of the things that he was doing that they thought was detrimental as far as this potential uh, injury potential is concerned. Mm-hmm. So all good stuff. Um, you know, very likable guy. He's one of those guys kind of like a magic Johnson has that great smile, you know, good looking guy. And, and he's going to, you know, he's going to be amazing. If he stay, hopefully he'll stay healthy. So Let's hope so. I, I love watching greatness. I really do. And so it'd be fun to see how he, how he, progresses in his career because he does some pretty amazing things. I don't think I've ever, I've never seen anybody actually his size with that kind of body. Like I said, LeBron James is a man child. Uh, well, he's in that same category. He is really kind of like a man child, just an amazing physical specimen. So good luck to him and see what he's able to do. And I guess that uh, some interesting stuff going on in the trade situation as well. If yeah. Start- talking about all of those things oh, we got that are coming a lot. on with the deadline. We could spend the entire show just talking about that without anything else. But even talking about those with with uh, uh, with the Pelicans is that I guess the, the latest is, is that Drew Holiday is supposedly his name was out there, but that he's going to be staying is what they're saying. But this is all speculation and you hear all the rumors and the, the, the bottom line is, is that it's, it, it's rare that a trade at this time of the season winds up being 
something that helps turn a team into a champion. I don't know if anybody has any stats on that, that the one trade that somebody made helped them become a champion. I know like there's a, some guys. A mid-season trade as opposed to the yeah, off-season? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I can't think some of, of the else. names. Well, some of the names and some of these things that are doing here. I mean, most people, you can't even pronounce their names. And you probably, some of the people, probably a lot of people never even heard of. Who? Who? Who's getting traded? You know? Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, some of these guys there, the names you never even heard of. I mean, that reported big four-team deal involving, the, I guess, the biggest thing, Capella is the guy that they're talking about, that the Rockets are going to be getting rid of him. And also, if there's Nene, if that goes through. I mean, it, what are they doing for big guys? It went through, and you're right. Those is, two, yeah. Those, yeah, those two players. Uh, let me pull that up right now for the for the official uh, for the official. Okay, uh, so they official. Names. So it's officially done now. But it is officially done. It is a 14, 12 player deal. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. So the Rockets right now have a very small team. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, PJ Tucker is their starting center at this point in time. But I did see a report today, and again, the trading deadline. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Is tomorrow. Uh, I don't know the time that the deadline expires. Three o'clock, I think, Eastern. So, so the one name I'm hearing, though, that the Rockets are pursuing, and I never understand where they get all these resources to make these trades. I, I could have swore they've given up every first-round pick for the next 10 years, but somehow they still have assets, and they're, they're pursuing Tristan Thompson. Yeah, the they Cavaliers. want a first-round pick to Cavs for him. Is that? I don't think that's worth it. But that's no. Crazy. I just said, yeah, yeah. This is a guy that all of a sudden he's become a, you know, he's worthy of a first round draft pick. Well, well, you know what? Here's the thing. Probably for most teams, it would be worth it because most of them screw up on their first round picks anyway. So why not? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> no, but I, I don't know necessarily think that he he's certainly the answer to them. I don't think that Tristan Thompson was a major factor in the Cavaliers championship. I mean, I mean, he played and he did well, but I mean, a first round pick, who knows? I mean, that's, that's like these decisions that they have to make and they come up with some of these players, but all the guys in that four player trade, I mean, there's guys over there that, I mean, how many people know about Noah, what Vonley? I mean, seriously, never I mean, heard of him a name on trade. somebody's lips. I mean, seriously. Never heard of him. Until I mean, and trade. what are the Nuggets going to do? What What happens for the other guys in that team? They got to be one. They're, oh my God, what's happening to my job? Because they've got four guys, I think, didn't they, in that trade? Well, I mean, the big names were obviously Clint, Clint Capella to the Hawks. And then Robert Covington, I think, was an equally big name. And, and that's who the Rockets squad. I think the Rockets actually, I thought this was a great deal for him. I know they don't have a center right now. They did get Jordan Bell of Warriors fame, who I think would actually be a, yeah, a but great what, But what good is he? Huh? I think he would, for, for that team, I think he's a great fit. I mean, think of how many lobs uh, Draymond and other players were, were throwing up at him. He's very athletic. Yeah. Um, and his yeah. De- defense is a special and, and that's what he needs to do because that's all he's going to get because he's never going to see the ball otherwise. That's it. But, but, Rob, but Robert <laughs> Offensive Co- rebounds and lobs. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Robert Covington as a player, I think, fits them very nicely. I think if P.J. Tucker can handle that center position, granted he's 6'6", this is the best shot. If the Rockets don't pull it off now, blow that team up. You know, I, I can't see them making doing anything beyond this year with this current roster. But so, so the Rockets got uh, Covington, Jordan Bell, uh, the, the Hawks got the two names you mentioned, Clint Capella and Nene. Um, the Timberwolves were involved in this yeah, deal. Yeah, but they got the Nuggets are getting all these other people. I mean, the Nuggets are getting a lot of people. So if you're one of the players on that team, how do you feel about all these new guys coming? And what's going to happen to your job if you're not right. one of the starters, right? Because, yeah, because Shabazz Napier was acquired. I don't know who Keita Bates Diop is. Uh, Noah Vonley, never heard of him. Well, Gerald Green is probably, he can jump out. Yes. Gerald Green is incredible physically. I mean, he's one of those guys where he got hung up on his athleticism. This guy is scary athleticism as far as, you know, jumping and doing things. I, I've met Gerald, um, mm-hmm. but he's injured. So who he knows? is injured. I mean, yeah. yeah. And so you, you have a lot of these players who, you're right. I don't know what's going to happen with Denver. This could be the start of another deal for them. But the Minnesota aspect is important because for a lot of days now, Rick, there were a lot of rumors circulating that. And we, Rick, you and I have been doing this podcast since, what, August? We've been saying from day one, Andrew Wiggins is the likely target for this Warriors team. And, and supposedly... You've been saying that. I haven't said that. <laughs> so don't well, be throwing me into the freaking reach there. I've been I mean, saying that. But, I mean, you haven't really disagreed when I say that because it seems no, like... I, a, I said that I just thought that he's not... He's not a really great three-point shooter. He's, He's not, not a bad three-point shooter, but I mean, with the Warriors and doing things the way that they play, you, you really want to have a guy that can shoot the three really well. That would really be even you know a terrific advantage for him, although he can do a lot of other things. But then again, yes. it's not like they need to bring somebody in to give them huge amounts of scoring, but that threat of those three-point shooting, because that was the one thing with KD. Mm-hmm. You had three guys that could crush you from out there. True. Who 
are all superior three-point shooters, you know, who are all up there and, you know, 40% or more for two of the guys. And, you know, KD was up there a lot. So, I mean, that's, that's so hard. You can't defend that. No, but I mean, I mean, we were speaking more on a logical level in terms of what the perfect fit would be. Who can you get D'Angelo Russell for? I mean, there's only a handful of teams that want him, right? And those are the only teams you could actually trade with. And then what assets do they have to give back? So that's why I've been saying from the start, and that's why I, mean, I didn't really hear you oppose me when I'm saying this, that, no, no, Wiggins, I didn't is the, it. Yeah. that Wiggins is the likely target, and, and we're hearing more of that now. But, I mean, look, from th- three, four months ago to now, a lot has changed. I think three, four months ago, Andrew Wiggins' stock was much higher because three, four months ago, I, I'm pretty sure if you said D'Angelo Russell for Wiggins straight up, not many people would argue with you. Now, Warriors fans are in an uproar if that's a trade that actually happens. And the Warriors are asking for multiple first-round picks now from the Timberwolves in addition to Andrew Wiggins. Um, and supposedly that's why this 14 trade happened. The, the Timberwolves did acquire uh, numerous draft picks as part of the compensation for giving that talent up, uh, for giving up Covington. Um, so the Warriors are on standby. I mean, Rick, in your opinion, I've been battling with a lot of people on social media, and we could break this down right now. I think Andrew Wiggins would be a great fit for this team. He does not have the three-point shooting. You're right. But neither does Ben Simmons. And you thought he would be a decent fit. I know Wiggins doesn't have his handling, his ball handling, but he has the size. He has the explosiveness. And he's never been coached. I want to see Wiggins with a decent head coach and a championship culture and see what happens with this guy. I and mean, this is a former number one pick who, on a, from a physical perspective, from the athletic talent perspective, is phenomenal. I don't think anyone's disagreeing with that. But a lot of people are hating on him primarily because of the fact that he does not have a great three-point shot and because of the fact that he's never won. But in Minnesota, who's winning there? I don't know. What do you think? I think Wiggins would be great. I want him. Bring him. What do you think? Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's playing well and doing some good things right now. But then again, um, he does a lot of stuff with his one-on-one stuff all the time. And he has to be able to perform, to perform under the Warriors – um, system offensive strategy yes which is moving without the ball being smart and doing things that's why you got to really evaluate and see because is he willing to come in and right now he's like you know one of the two guys right mm-hmm. well he might not be one of the two guys if he comes here no he would be the third guy thank you so is he willing to do that in order to have a chance to perhaps be on a winning team but i still think that they got to find a rim protector. I mean, get somebody, uh, uh, yeah, get somebody that can help you there. I, I, I don't know. I mean, who would only, who knows what's going on in the world today with these guys? I mean, a lot of these guys are free agents. They're, they're, not everybody's locked into long-term contracts. You don't know what's going to materialize. And I just think they really need to have somebody like that. I really do believe that's true. They so, need a rim protect. They got to protect the rim. They had to have somebody there that can block some shots and do the kind of things you need to do inside a, a, a bigger guy. I'd I just like to see a bigger guy, to be honest so, with you. So the Warriors did not have that bigger guy, though, with the exception of maybe Durant. Um, do you th- did Durant fill that role in your opinion? Well, he was a, he was a good blocker. He, pl- he was good weak side defense. Come in, yeah. he can block some shots. I mean, and some of the other people they had did a nice job. I mean, when they... When they had, you know, a Bogut, he did a nice job of rim protecting. Um, I mean, so... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a superstar kind of player. They don't necessarily need to have somebody to score tons of points for them in there. I'm saying somebody get you 10 points, 10 rebounds, and block some shots. Right. I, I, that's the kind of player I like to see added to this team. Because, Rick, I mean, and tell me if you agree with me or not. The, the, I, what you really need to focus on for a championship roster, for a team that is aspiring for greatness, is that five, those five players who are in the game for those last six minutes, Right. They're the ones who dictate what's going to happen in this game at the end. And you look at the Warriors starting five, not the starting five, I'm sorry, the, the five, they've, they've had the Hamptons five, they had their death lineup, and they didn't really have that shot blocker. You know, they didn't really, I mean, I guess Durant could kind of fit that for the later versions, but those early teams, Draymond was the center for that death lineup. So I'm looking at the, ideally for next year, who are the, who, who are the five that are going to be finishing the games for the Warriors right now? You know, Steph yeah. is going to finish, Clay Thompson, Draymond, Draymond Green, yeah. Andre Iguodala is likely coming back. And if he's healthy and still playing at that high level, he's probably back in there. So the question is, who's that fifth guy, 
right? It's if if it's Kevon Looney, you're not winning a championship with that lineup, right? I mean, is that safe to say? That is not a championship lineup if Looney's your fifth guy. So I think if 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 Andrew Wiggins is that fifth guy, I think he's an upgrade from Harrison Barnes. And he could fulfill a similar role if if they coach him and teach him to share the ball and play defense. He could be that guy. That is in my opinion. I did come up with a list of the teams that the Warriors could trade with, right? These are the teams, the five teams in the NBA who would actually want D'Angelo Russell and probably need him. The Timberwolves, the Miami Heat, New York Knicks, LA Lakers, Philadelphia 76ers. All right. I can't think of any other teams. I actually went through every one. And these are the five who would realistically want D'Angelo Russell. And then you look at the players they have and who should the Warriors trade for? Well, Joel Embiid would be amazing, right? But would Philly do that? I don't know. Doubt it. Doubt what about it. Ben, ben Simmons? Well, I've told you I like Ben Simmons a I lot. I love this team. I really do. Because, and, and if he works on developing an outside game at all, uh, along with his size and the way that the Warriors play, I mean, he sees the floor, he passes it, he brings it up the floor. I mean, you've got, you'd have three guys who could bring the ball up the floor and create mm-hmm. for you. And one of them, one of them, a very tall, Version, you know, mm-hmm. a six nine guy or ten. I mean, you have him, then you have Steph, and you also have Draymond because Draymond can bring it up the floor and create. And we know he gets a lot of triple doubles at times. So you have three guys with some size. I'd like a team that doesn't rely on one guy. Yes, agreed. Okay, if I had my ideal team that I could put together as a coach, I would have my one, two, and three interchangeable. That's smart. That's very smart. And in fact, the Warriors, I think, extend that to all five. Uh, well, yeah, but, but I'm just saying, I mean, to be able to bring it up the floor, to yeah. initiate, pass the ball, create, do those kinds of things, that would be the ideal scenario, to have that. Have that. And then, you know, if you can get lucky and get a four who also can handle some and go out and shoot at some, I mean, that's that's great. I mean, but the three guys, there, because now you, I can tell you right now, when I played many, many times, I knew I could run back after an offensive possession and run back to a spot on the floor and know that the guy I was guarding is going to be there. So predictable. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to be bringing it up the floor. He's going to run back to his little spot on the wing. But if you have, and I think that's one of the things that helped us some, because one of the things that I pride on myself in to get a rebound and bring it up the floor. Right? Point yeah. forward. I was push, the first point the forward yes. that they called. They made it the point forward. And so, yeah. And so you can you can be so much more explosive and so much more dynamic and so much more difficult to defend. And that's why the Warriors get good because they started doing their different things and they're running off screens, passing, doing all those great things. And then when you have great players, I just always go back to the to that series against, uh, against Cleveland when Cleveland looked like they were going to get swept. Mm-hmm. And they, to their credit, came up with a big game at home to eliminate that, that from their resume <laughs> and from their from their nightmares for the rest of their life. And they then they come back and they're playing a great game. They get ahead of the Warriors. The Warriors come back on them, but they still don't fold. And in the third quarter, it was still anybody's game. And then all of a sudden, the two plays to change the entire game was I don't know if it was Steph or Clay coming off of staggered screens with the movement on the left side, coming around through the middle, screen set, popping out to the corner. And it was, I remember the first time it happened, it was J.R. Smith and, and LeBron. They didn't communicate. They both went out to the shooter. They passed it inside, and the big guy got a dunk. Mm-hmm. I, I forget who, which one of the guys was. But that's what happens when you run that type of offense. Mm-hmm. You force the defense to make decisions, and if they don't make the right decisions, you take advantage of what happens, and you wind up getting something other than what you might have been looking for. That's why when plays are designed, it's like the ideal situation. Most plays aren't going to be run exactly how you draw them up and come to that finalization where the guy that you have gets to that spot and gets that shot. If you're running off two and three different screens and passing and moving and cutting, something else is going to materialize. And if you have smart players, you capitalize on those decisions, you wind up getting easy baskets and things that they, that they were never even looking for. That's basketball, the way yeah. it should be played. Agreed. And I think Ben Simmons would be perfect. I am with you. He's even a defensive player of the year candidate this year. Think of how, how amazing the defense is. I, I just, I, boy, I, you, I would just love to see <sighs> them get him. But I, I don't really think would. It, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Philly gives no, him up. I don't, think they'll give, I don't think they'll give either one of those two up. No. I think those are the two keys to their team. 
Now there's I don't a third, think they'll give you the one. Now, there is a third player on Philly. What about Tobias Harris? Would you consider him? I probably would want to – I probably would do Wiggins over him. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Okay, now, no, no, I did add two more teams I didn't list originally. The Suns and the Pistons are the two other potential candidates. And, and we'll, So here are all the names, all right? So we have Andrew Wiggins. That's been, that name's been mentioned repeatedly. What about Kyle Kuzma of the Lakers? Uh, yeah, a young guy with some potential doing things. Wiggins showed that he's probably doing more, but then again, Wiggins is on a team where he's like number two guy Mm -hmm. and Kuzman is like number three or four. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not like he's getting an opportunity to, uh, you know, to do the kind of things that he's capable of doing. Well, I would do that trade if they threw in uh, Danny Green. Yeah, I like Danny. Danny Green's nice. Yeah. If you do, if you, if you, if the Lakers offer that trade, Kuzma and Danny Green for uh, D'Angelo, I'd strongly consider that. What about, um, and he plays for a team I didn't mention, but Zach Levine of the Bulls. Yeah, but then again, this is a guy that needs the ball. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. And then the only, and the only two other names I've come up with that, that in terms of a realistic player that you would trade D'Angelo Russell for is Andre Drummond. Would you do that? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm saying there's a guy that can score points, rebound, block some shots for mm-hmm. you, and then just, you know, uh, keep him out of the game until the last two minutes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the last – Brick, the brick last, Mason at the free throw line. And then, the, and then the last player, and we've talked about him previously, is, uh, is uh, DeAndre Payton of the Suns, who I, I, who I, and I think would, be, would probably be the most ideal – well, they could probably get him without having to give up a lot. Yeah, but they also could won't have to give up a lot and to get Andrew Wiggins too. I my my point with all this is that there there are some a lot of Warriors fans out there who are very delusional in thinking that the a Warriors backcourt with D'Angelo Russell and Stephen Curry could win a championship. They cannot. There's no way that's going to work. It's too small. No, no, there's no no there's no way that D'Angelo Russell could stay on this team and have them be a, a, a contender for the NBA title. A- agreed. And that's not taking anything away from Russell. I mean, agreed. He's, he's a talented guy, but he needs to be on a different team because you already have a better version of him. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. No, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. And then, and then, and then you have, you have people who think that it's okay for the Warriors to wait until the summer, that D'Angelo Russell's value will not diminish in any way. And that to me is asinine because he could get hurt at any point. And if he does, his value drops. He could regress. His value drops. Yeah, right now he's he's playing at a very high level, and there definitely is interest there. And this may be the time to do it if they can get something right for him. Otherwise, it does become a gamble. I agree 100% with you. It becomes a crapshoot. Because it you does. don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if he's going to continue to perform at that high level. You don't know if he's going to get some kind of an injury that will impact his performance. You don't know if he's going to get an injury that could be really ser- very serious. they got enough of those that they're dealing with already. <laughs> you know, yeah. They've had their three, key, their three key players, three top players, all sustained serious injuries, two of them major injuries. Yeah. So, And, and I, again, I don't understand this, the logic behind, well – they can wait until the summer. He's young. His value is not going to go down. No, that's not true at all. A, he will be 24 by the time summer comes. That is older. Perception is important when it comes to marketability and free agency. And he can get hurt. You know, he, I mean, all we need is one outburst from him, and teams might have second uh, thoughts, you know? Yeah, well, I, I would agree with you except for the age part of it because it, it, you're going to get better. 28 to 32 and it may even be with the, with the sophistication of the training and everything that they have nowadays. It may even be 28 to 33 or four even mm-hmm. because they, they, it's amazing what they're doing now with the training and sports specific stuff. And I remember that Jerry West had told me that I've talked about it before. And, and mm-hmm. certainly I had some of my best years between 28 and 32. And so that, that 24 is nothing. I mean, he still has a long way to go. I mean, so 20, that's not an issue at all. I don't understand why these guys get all, that's one of the things I don't understand about the NBA too. In fact, that'll be my go. Give me drives me crazy. Let's get. Oh, already. Uh, okay. Let's give it to me now. Okay. We'll go for it. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So here we go. As I say, there's a lot of things that drive me crazy. One of the things is the age situation. Like you even brought it up. Oh, he's getting old. He's going to be 24. Why did, why did they want to put all of this money on these guys that they don't even know if they can even play at this level. 
and invest multi-millions of dollars and keep all of these guys who are 20 years old, 19, 20, 21, whatever it may be, and not put any credence on somebody who's a little bit older, who's who gone out and played and had some experience somewhere. And a little older, and he's a little smarter. He's been around the block a few times. I'm, I'd rather have a guy who's 25, 26, 27 years old, as opposed to a 19, 20, or 21-year-old. I, I mean, especially filling out your other roster spots. What do I need a whole bunch of 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old guys who are wet behind the ears, who don't really know the game of basketball the way they think they do, who certainly don't know the pro game? Give me some guys who've been around, who've played a little bit, who've, who've had some experience, and a little more mature. I'd rather have those guys, especially if you're looking at somebody, because initially they may not be a star or anything. So, you know, come on, have some guys there, especially the eight, nine, you know, the nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, I got 16, 17 guys. You got a ton of guys over there. Everybody's not going to be a star type of player. Why in the world do you not look for guys who are quality people who know the game, don't have glaring weaknesses, will never be a problem for you, can represent your team in an absolutely positive fashion and have those kinds of individuals on your roster spot instead of guys that all think they should be a star who all want to be one-on-one specialists. Get a guy who knows how to play. And, Rick, uh, there's just a lot of stupidity in positions of power in the NBA. You know the the Knicks are a great example of this. I don't know if you saw that trade. Well, they got rid of the. Well, they got rid of the. They got rid of their general man. I mean, their. They president. got rid of. Their, they did just out of the blue. They they fired their GM. Uh, supposedly they. No, the they, president. Or the president. I apologize. It was yeah, the president. Yeah. President of basketball operations, Steve Mills. Um. Yeah. So they got they fired him. You're right. But the what they're they're pursuing D'Angelo Russell, and they're making these asinine proposals that the Warriors are going to reject every time. Um. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. And and on top of that, they're pursuing D'Angelo Russell now, and they're going to have to give up so many assets when they never made an offer during the offseason for him when he was a free agent. Why would you do that? I mean, yeah. why would you, do, you know, I, I know he was a restricted free agent. You could have still made an offer, and the Nets would have never matched because they couldn't. They were bringing in Durant and, they were, and, their, and Kyrie. They couldn't give him that max offer. The Knicks could have just simply offered him a contract. Now they have to give up all these first-round picks and their best players. Yeah, there is just a lot of Nobody said there's a lot of rocket scientists involved in the game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, speaking of young players, uh, what do you think about this little beef between uh, Andre Iguodala? Very immature and silly. Agreed. I mean, it's so ridiculous. First of all, here's the deal. If I'm I'm the GM, why would I play him? I got a bunch of young people. I'm trying to develop a team at all. Why would I take time away from a young player who could have time on the court, evaluate him and maybe a couple other guys, give them a chance to see what I have so I can make a determination as to whether I want to keep them around, if they're going to be a part of my future, knowing full well that Andre's only going to be there for this season anyway, and what difference is it going to make to the team? I agree. Do you want to hear from Stephen A. Smith on this? Oh my! Yeah, sure. I know, I know, I know, I know. You have your issues sometimes with them. He Go came ahead. out. In, he came out in defense of Andre Iguodala. I love John Morant. I'm a fan. Um, Dylan Brooks can ball. I like him a lot. But they need to do I'm their homework. You. Oh, sorry, um, it's fine. According to what I have been told, the Grizzlies have never met with Andre can Iguodala. Can you they see it on your screen? Called him. I can't even try to pull up because I don't have my thing. Trying to even find and get back to my screen where I even have. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, then forget it. Forget. Anyway, so who cares? Uh, it was just Stephen A. Smith, but he came out and just said, look, show some respect. Well, just talk about it. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Look, I mean, there you go. So talk about it. Go ahead. So, John, I mean, John Morant is a rookie, and I don't, I don't know what year his, his, his teammate is who originally made these comments, but they're basically upset and they feel slighted that, uh, that Andre Iguodala just doesn't want to play for the Grizzlies. But it's like, you know what? He made an agreement with the organization. He was traded there in the first place simply because of the first-round pick they got as part of that deal, I don't, I don't get why these, these folks are speaking out. And then, and then, and what was particularly egregious to me, Rick, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, is that Stephen Curry got involved. He posted a picture of Andre Iguodala holding a championship trophy. Like that's what this player is for at this stage of his career. He's chasing chips. He's not chasing an eighth seed with a young team. And John Morant responded by posting a picture of Kevin Durant holding a finals MVP trophy basically a jab to Steph Curry saying, hey, well, you're not winning finals MVP awards. Like, that's what you have to do in order to ca- talk to me. And th- that there's so much arrogance there. There's such a lack of respect and class there. No, what it is, it's immaturity. 
It is immature. They're, they're, yeah. they're 20 year old people. I mean, seriously. I mean, I remember I used to, oh, you're immature. I'm not immature. Then when you get old, you realize how immature you are in your 20s. It's I immaturity. Do hope, I it do really hope. truly is. And social media is, is the bane of, I mean, it's it is. just, it perpetuates oh, this, yeah. God, it just makes it even worse than it ever was before. Same old thing. And this kind of stuff. What, what do you need to even talk about that for? What, what bearing does that have on you as a player and your team to have to go out and talk about it in public? Just deal with it and move on. Do your job to the best of your ability, and who cares? And it's actually better. It's better for your team to let him to be doing this rather than him coming in there wanting to play, taking time away from someone, knowing he's going to leave after a year at the most, and you're taking away all of this valuable experience from the other players on your team, and especially from the standpoint of the general manager or the coach to evaluate those players, mm. getting that time to see what they can and can't do. Just like for the Warriors looking at this, this is an evaluation season. They're evaluating people, and they've already yep. made some decisions during the course of this season with the things that they've done by, based upon the performance of the players. So from a standpoint of a team doing the right thing for the team, it's better that Andre's not playing. And, he, and it's not like Andre's coming out saying anything either. You know, he's, he's just sitting there minding his own business. And then, he, and then here come the Grizzlies feeling slighted, just coming out attacking him. Foolish. <laughs> it's just foolish. That's it all is. it is. It's it just is. very, very foolish. And you're right. It is immature. I do hope at some point they realize how immature they are and how this is just – it's just, it's, it's classless. It is a classless act to come out and attack a, a man 15 years your senior who has accomplished what he's accomplished in this game just because he does not want to play with you. Get over it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. What, what, what is this I, that I hear about that you have been blocked on Twitter? Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to, well, it wasn't just me. So going back to D'Angelo Russell, and this is another reason why, I'm, I, I, I've lost some respect for him in this regard. He's blocking media members who are making trade suggestions. He just doesn't want to hear it. And he blocked me because I've never said a single negative thing about him, at least not personally. I mean, I mean if I've critiqued him, it's been about his actual play. And even then, I don't think I've critiqued him, other than saying he's a pick-and-roll player who is 6'2 and not a great defender. That's probably the extent of the negativity I've ever published about D'Angelo Russell on my tiny little Twitter account, well, he blocked me for it, and I'm not the only one. He just doesn't like hearing it. I, 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 he's thin-skinned. You know, to me, someone like that does not win championships. You know, that's, that's my opinion. I, I, yeah, he did. He blocked well, me. Well, it goes back to what we just talked about. Immaturity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, that is it, yeah. I mean, who cares? I mean, seriously, everybody's, here's what you do. And, and, and I, I wound up doing this a few times for reporters and stuff. If somebody's really not being fair with you and, and because they have the last say, you don't ever have a comeback, don't talk to them. <laughs> I mean, yep. seriously, don't talk to them. Very simple and go about your business and you got to be like a duck. Let the water roll off your back. Folks, you got to have your junk clean. Hair down there is just not acceptable anymore. Hasn't been for a long time. And the folks at Manscaped are taking care of you with the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. No more nicks and cuts Oh, on your balls. Ouch. And their battery is a premium now. It lasts up to 90 minutes. They have an LED light, which illuminates grooming areas. They have a charging stand. Powered by USB. And if you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this product, Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV. That's Believe, short for the Believe Podcast Network, at manscaped.com. Again, go to manscaped.com. And if you use the free shipping code BLEAV, that's short for Believe, or at least the name Believe, but spelled in our way, you get 20% off. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Believe, B L E A V. You know, speaking of immaturity, um, there's a rookie on the New Orleans Pelicans named Jason Hayes who was not selected for the Rising Stars team. Did you hear what he had to say about that? No, I did not. I don't, see, see, I don't even pay much attention to that kind of garbage, <laughs> but go ahead. What did he say? Listen to this. And if you can't hear it, hopefully you can see the screen. So at least it's playing. All right, here, here, here it is. 
Yo, this all I'm gonna say on the subject, bro, because all y'all want to keep sliding up and shit and saying, oh, you should have made it. Yeah, I should have, bro, but I didn't. So, I mean, it is what it is. NBA is a bunch of bullshit. The NBA can really suck my dick for all I care. I hope y'all see this video, by the way, and find me. But, um, yeah, man, shit's just crazy to me, bro. I work in a fucking political league that's all about politics, and it is what it is. Uh, so, oh, you, you didn't hear it? No, this all I'm sorry, there we go. Didn't hear it, didn't hear it, didn't see it. Oh, so he basically just came out and said the NBA can really suck my my Richard for all I care. Uh, and just blasted the, the NBA because he was not selected for the Rising Stars team and just made it public, put it on Twitter. <laughs> so wherever he put it. What are his, where, so pull up his stats. Uh, Jace Jackson Hayes. Yeah, sure thing. Let's pull, let's um, pull up his stats. I'm going to go players and get this. Let's let's take a look at this and we'll evaluate this and see <laughs> this guy no, what, J- what, what what he's doing. Jackson Hayes did apologize for the comments. He's a six eleven center. Uh, so right now he's averaging eight point one points per game, four point four rebounds. Okay, and what is the shooting percentages? Um, and his shooting percentage on the year is he's shooting sixty six percent. Not bad. Nice. That's, That's good. great. On, but how many throws. attempts? How about free throws? And the free throw percent is 62.7. Okay, well, he's not a shooter, obviously. <laughs> but he's a big man. He's 6'11". So. Okay, well, so what? He's making he's those still, easy he's still, he's, should still be able to shoot the ball. I know, I know. <laughs> percent, you should be ashamed of yourself. Agreed. Typically, the bigger men don't shoot as well. though. But, uh, but is he, you know, he's making those easy buckets like he's supposed to. But, yes, Jackson Hayes. He did apologize for but this. But this, and I'm saying, this is the this is the world we live in it's the world of entitlement for young people and it's all taken place when they're younger they think mm-hmm. they're entitled to so much they have everybody telling them how great they are and this and the other thing and they get such an inflated opinion about themselves and think they're so terrific reality then sometimes sets in i mean that's the problem i'm I, i'm not going to ever mention any names about stuff i've experienced that and all that the inflated opinion that some players have of their skill level and how good they are is mind-boggling to me at times oh agreed and it ext- and it's not just the players look at a lot of media members they, they have the exact same attitude they think everything that comes out of their mouth is 100 percent accurate and 100 percent right it's asinine. It is. Yeah, and it really, and it got really worse when all of a sudden it changed from the step that all of the writers, they all started bringing these guys on with all these TV shows and they started to get on TV mm-hmm. and it made it even worse. I mean, it's, 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 it really is. It's true. You're absolutely right. They do think that they know. I mean, come on. How can one person possibly have expertise in every sport that exists. I mean, they talk as if what they're saying is coming from God himself. I I mean, it's, it's nine numbing to me. It really truly is. And so I I just have a real difficult time with that. I I really do. I have a very difficult time with that. And I listened to that stuff. I said, boy, I wish I could be on that show and have a chance to counter what's being said here because it's crazy. It is crazy. They just talk, but here's the thing. They, they make it seem like they really know what's going on and they really have all the answers. And I'm just saying to everybody out there, when you listen to all of the talking heads out there, if it's not someone who was a former player, and played that sport and is coming on as an expert in that sport, anything being said by the overwhelming majority of those people, don't get overly excited about it. Don't think that it's the definitive answer because your opinion probably in a lot of situations is probably almost as, you know, as valid as some of those people. Now, it depends on how much you followed the game. But just because you followed the game and you've been involved and you've been a reporter for a long time doesn't make you an expert. You're just another person who's been around a sport who has an opinion and people just take it for what it's worth. It's an opinion from somebody who really never played the game at that level. Yeah. And that's it. And that's what it is. And so, yeah, and that's, that's what it is. So I don't get, I don't get worked up over it. I do say like, I do love people. Like some of the people I will, I will toot his horn forever. I think Tim Legler is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I heard a lot of people say that. Yeah, he's Tim he's Legler very... is the way he breaks things down and when he's doing it with, you know, with Tim's whatever they call it, the lab or whatever it is. Anyway, he, he really breaks it down using the telestrator, talking about things that are so meaningful, so informative. I just have great respect for the job that Tim Legler does in his in his analysis.
I'm with you. And, and he's very well respected. Um, you know, and, and just to wrap up a few topics, you know, we've been talking about John Morant a lot. Uh, and we also talked about the Knicks a lot. Well, this, these two stories go together. John Morant complained late last week that, um, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you see my screen right now. Uh, he complained after a game there that there was no hot water in the locker room. Well, try, you know, <laughs> no hot water. Try maybe no soap. Try having a shower that hits you about mid-chest. Oh, that's then, what you had to do and then, and then try, try you know, where you, you were so worried about getting the foot funkins in the shower. Uh, you had nails to hang your clothes on on the locker. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. The, the, the entitlement. That's the what you had to deal with? When you play, yes. there's, oh my God, that's terrible. Cyrus. You know, functioning I, showers. I give, when, I, when I go someplace and talk to some people and they want to just have a lot of fun, I talk and I give them, I tell them the way it was when I played and the way it is with these guys today and what they get and what we got. And a lot of people are laughing at all. I said, folks, I'm not saying this to be funny. This is the truth. I'm not making this up to try to be a comic. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what I dealt with and this is what they deal with. Mm -hmm. It's a different world. <laughs> it is totally different world cyrus when we did it we rented cars and drove ourselves <laughs> although i guess in madison square garden some things don't change <laughs> some things stay the same <laughs> uh, my God. and some of the arenas uh, that we played in i mean now they have stuff i mean it's uh, as oh, i said if i i'd love to be able to come back and, and experience what they're experiencing because it's amazing i mean i know one of the teams they have masseuses on staff mm -hmm. who will come to your home and give you and your wife a massage and you just have to tip them. Oh, that sounds amazing. I would have one every day that I every was day. home. Every, every day. Three times, three times oh a day. Oh my God. I mean, why stop at once? It's, it's so amazing. <laughs> but I, And I just don't know how many of these guys really, truly down deep inside appreciate mm. how fortunate they are. Something I tells really me don't. Something tells me the Warriors players do. I, I I sense so much humility from them, and that's one of the many reasons why I love this team. I don't I don't sense that level of arrogance and entitlement from the Warriors like I do a lot of some other players. But I, you know, uh, yeah, the, the cold water thing is kind of ridiculous. But I hear you. I hear you. Well, in today's world, in a modern arena, you shouldn't have cold water. I mean, seriously. <laughs> and I guess it was I barely mean, coming out. It was like trickling. It wasn't just uh, that it was cold. It was trickling. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'll tell you, it's surprised as screwed up as California is. Then, uh, you know, I'm surprised that Warriors haven't had problems with their arena, new arena. But it's a new <laughs> arena, and they shouldn't yeah. have it for all the money that they spent for it and everything. But, you know, hey, if anything's going to happen, New York will be where it'll happen, I guess. Yeah, and the older arena is especially. And, but that's an older arena. I mean, it's yeah. not a new modern facility anymore. I mean, that's been around for quite some time. And, you know, I heck, I played in the real old one, the real Madison Square Garden. Which was really a rat hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same arena. It's just it's been remodeled or, or a lot. No, it's of not updates. With no, MSG, no, you, is, you no, I, it? no, that's not the arena. It was another arena further uptown. I mean, down, it, yeah, further uptown. It was a piece of garbage. It was horrible. With MSG that is there now is not the same. No. When did when did this one get built? What got you know? built after I played in the other one, I can tell you that. Uh, well, Rick, I, I went to a game at MSG maybe like 10 years ago. That place felt and looked old. Like it's been there like 50 Well, it's been there a lot, quite a long time. So wow, you, know, that's you can Google and find out when the Madison Square Garden was built. I'm sure it was built uh, decades ago. That's crazy. Ago. I'll look that up. Well, that, that's, that's fascinating to me. I always thought that was the same building. But you're right. I mean, oh, my they God, no. I mean, the other building was the true Madison Square Garden. Was, oh, that's crazy. It was, a, was terrible. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, it was like the old Boston Garden. Both of those things were, you know, obviously the icons, you know, the places to play, you know, play at Boston Garden, Madison Square Garden. And they were rat holes. Even back in <laughs> 1965 when I came out of college, they were rat holes. And then... Then they were rat holes, and they were around for years after. <laughs> oh, I mean, seriously. I mean, the things they have today and the practice facilities that these guys have. And, and you know what we used to do with our, with our uh, valuables? We'd put no. them in a sock or have some of that little tape, and you wrap your stuff up, give them to the trainer. They collect them in a big bag and take it and, I guess, get it somewhere where they can get it locked up. Now <laughs> they, have, they, have, they have all of these inside. You have these incredible lockers yes. even on the road, and they have uh, your own personal safe to put them into with the combination uh. and everything. I mean, it's it, – it, trust me, it's – 
it's it's astonishing it really is astonishing the things that they have and you know sauna you know oh yeah go into even my son they just got i was just visiting my son and i want to talk about something that i saw there in a second here yeah and please even, do well i'm going in the cool pub you know the the, 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 the uh, cool tub or the cold tub or whatever okay what cold tub we had a metal thing that had a <laughs> stupid little machine with a little thing sticking in it that you had to try to fit yourself into that was the whirlpool <laughs> I mean, seriously I mean, it's, it, you just you just can't even imagine what it was like it just it's just uh it's it's amazing so I, what i saw when i was up visiting him up in des moines for the mm-hmm. the uh des moines wolves timberwolves team we playing is that i had not seen it i had read about it and heard about it this new rule that they're trying with the free throw thing and i didn't really have a problem with it where you take one free throw for two points if you get fouled in a three-point shot it's one free throw for three points and I didn't have a problem dealing with it. I mean, I could see where, as a team, you probably would have the guy, hey, if I foul them in doing it, I want to have to see him make all three because mm-hmm. if you might make that first one, they get three points. The chances are a lot of guys might not make all three of those free throws. So I'm sure that some of the coaches would probably have an issue with that. And then in the last two minutes, whatever happens, you actually shoot the free throws. But I think it's a way to go and take some time off and speed the game up so it's not taking forever. Well, they talked shooting they, the free throws. They've talked about implementing that free throw rule into the NBA. Right, they're um, testing it out to see how it's going. That's what they're doing in the G League. What's your? So I mean, look, you're you're you are the connoisseur of free throws. You're considered one of the greatest free throw shooters ever. Do you like this rule? I mean, are you a fan of it? Well, I was just saying the one detriment to it, I think, would be the fact that if you're playing and you happen to foul a guy over there, I would, as a coach, would want to have that guy have to make all three, right, to get three points. So Whereas he can get lucky and may make his first one and he gets three points and chances are he might've maybe only made two of those three. You, you know, uh, I, I've heard people call this rule, the James Harden rule because of the fact that Harden goes to the line so many times. And he well, gets I used to his- go 12 or 13 times a game when I first came in the league. Right. But, but you don't, you're not, you're not overly reliant on it, right? You're not, you're not doing gimmicky tactics to get to the line, like flailing your legs, like the, you know, all the, the, the flopping. Yeah, yeah, initiating he, he is a little bit over over the edge. You got hacked. I'm guessing when you got fouled, you earned that foul. I don't see him earning it. But anyways, that's besides the point. But they call this James Harden rule or rule because Harden. I mean, he's not a bad free throw shooter, but he the majority of the free throws he misses are the high pressure ones, right? So if he's going up for an and one specifically for a free throw, right? He's somehow and and late games, those are the ones he misses the most. So the theory is that. By, by putting that much more pressure on that one free throw. Well, he has to, but late in the game, you have to shoot him. Oh, so they still keep him for last the last two minutes. minutes. Okay. The last two minutes, you have to shoot them all. Because supposedly with this rule, each free throw, because it's worth more, there's also more pressure that goes with it. So a lot of players are, are missing them. Well, um, I t- well, I saw the other one. The, the other team missed a bunch of them that really hurt them. While well, they wound up still winning the game, which was crazy. But that's right. a whole other story. But the thing is, is that you, you, if you miss that first free throw, you're giving up two points. Right. Exactly. So, and, and same with the three point one, right? Right. I mean, if you, you give missed, it up three. If you miss the first one, you get nothing. So, when you saw the, how many, I don't know how many of the three, uh, three, three free throws you saw, like the three point fouls, like how many of those did you see and how many, what was the ratio? Uh, I didn't see, there wasn't that many where they okay. fouled somebody in the three. They, you don't get a lot of fouls normally on three point shots and all. But the thing is, is that it is a situation where the team gets hurt badly. The team that misses gets hurt badly. Whereas mm-hmm. at the opposing coach, and I, you did foul him, I would want them to have to make all three because most guys a good portion of them i would say i don't know what the statistical is because i don't follow that closely and try to figure it out but to make three free throws in a row for a lot of guys it's not an easy thing for people to do and so if you can get away with them only getting two instead of three that's great whereas Mm -hmm. if they make that first one they get all three and if they miss it man then you really gain okay so maybe you like it that way say hey i'll take my chances because if the guy misses it we're going to get, you know, three points that they lose instead of him maybe making the next two. So it, it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword that you're playing with. It's just a matter of where your head lies and how you think about it. Right. So I don't know, but I didn't have an issue watching the game with it being done that way. Was it faster? Did it, get, did it go by faster? I, I don't know. That's why they're keeping stats on it. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're statistically looking at how long the games are taking based upon the fact that this is part of the rule that's being implemented and seeing if the games are taking less time. I don't know. You know, it's always interesting t- tinkering with things. I mean, but the thing that was, like you say, that I was talking about driving me crazy, and that's is when they, they put in rules to try to protect the guys who are the bad free throw shooters. I mean, hey, if you got a guy that's bad in every other sport, I've talked about this many times uh, in doing interviews, it is ludicrous 
who put in a rule to protect the guy, you know, any player, any competitor, to protect him if he's lousy at a certain skill in the game. Yeah. Because what do you do as an offense, as a coach? You try to exploit the weaknesses of your opponent. And if they have a weakness, why in the world is the game itself putting in a rule to protect that weakness? <laughs> that makes no freaking sense. Oh, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so figure it out. Well, I mean, you know, do it. I can say, well, hey, this guy's not a great guy on the deep ball in football. Okay, okay. well, you can't throw more than two passes in the game to him. <laughs> you know, yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. You know, baseball, oh, the guy can't hit the curveball. Okay, well, you can only throw two curveballs to him. <laughs> stupid. It is stupid. Absolutely stupid. You know, Rick, anyway. I keep looking. We're, we're recording this on a Wednesday. It's about 320 right now. I keep looking to see if any trades have been made so we can talk about it before – we're done recording. Uh, the all-star teams were announced. You want to talk about the snubs real quick? If anyone, in your opinion, was snubbed? Uh, I don't really care because it's just a freaking exhibition anyway. It doesn't matter. Unless I mean, you talk about the money. How many guys made, do they have? Yeah. But the money. Well, the, well now, now they're supposedly donating. No, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean, like, some, a lot of these players have bonuses in their contracts. Oh, where oh I see. Yeah. Well, that's make, stupid on the team's part anyway. Say, hey, look, and I'm paying you millions of dollars. You should make the freaking all-star team. Well, let me ask you this, Rick. Do you think Devin Booker was snubbed? Uh, I don't know about being snubbed. I mean, he's a nice player doing it, but I I mean, his team started off great. And now they're not doing so good. I, right. And there's a lot of great guards in the Western Conference. We made USA. So, but, uh, but, you, but, but, Rick, you made the point repeatedly that for the All-Star game, it shouldn't be about how your team's doing. It's about your individual stats. Yeah, no, it, it, the All-Star game should have nothing to do with – it should have nothing to really do with whether your team is, is winning or not. Right. It should be so, your, perform, your performance. Are you an all-star performer? Are you playing at a level that deserves special recognition? Right. So should so then should the top 10 scores in the NBA basically automatically No, it's not just qualify? scoring. No, it's not just scoring. Because Devin Booker is eighth in the league in scoring. Yeah. Um, he's averaging, I guess maybe 6.3 assists. I don't think that's bad. He's that's, shooting. No, no, no. 6.3 is a nice number. That is. He's, he's averaging over 50% from the field. Yeah. Um, what about and, threes? And th his, I don't think it's bad. Let me look at it real quick. It's his, uh, his three point shooting this year is only 36.3. It's well, that's not only 36.3 is good shooting. It's, yeah. So in that case, no, no, yeah. 36% is very acceptable. I mean, I'm saying, you know, when you get up to the 40 range, now you're really talking about being yes. one of the elite shooters. Yeah. But 36 is very good. 33 is equi 33 is equivalent to 50%. Right. Right. Two. So 36. So, if shooting, so, um, so to me, the break even is, that's why I always said 30%. If you can't shoot, can't shoot at least 30%, you have no business ever taking a three-point shot unless the clock's running out, okay? Don't even let the thought enter your head. So let me ask you this, and Andrew Wiggins this year is, is shooting exactly 33% right now from the three-point Okay, so, and that's, that's okay. That's, as I said, he's not a, really, he's not a good three-point. He's not a great three-point shooter. But he's not he's, he's okay. He's good. I mean, you can accept it. That's 50% from twos. You can live with that. That's right. But I said he's not up in the in the category of the other guys who are in forties or high thirties. Right. So I'm just saying I'm not saying he's not a good three point shooter. Yeah, I, I, he's just not as good as I'd like him to be if he's going to play for the Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Devin Booker, anyways, uh, I, is one of the big names mentioned as being a snub. Um, and I think that's it from the West. I, I didn't see any other names really in the Western Conference being mentioned, but the Eastern Conference had a huge name mentioned as a snub, and that's Bradley Beal. Um, and he, Beal is actually averaging more than Trey Young is in terms of scoring. Beal is second in the NBA in scoring overall. Um, well, now he's fourth. I'm sorry. I think he was second at the time. Is he a snub? Should he have gotten in? I mean, you look at the names of who, who got in over him. And is, is Bradley Beal, is it, is it worth it to not include, let's say, Kyle Lowry? Or Bam Adebayo? You know, um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a snub or not. What do you think? Like, should he have gone in? I mean, he, he wasn't very happy, understandably. Well, you know, obviously you could be disappointed, but yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, but he yeah. is playing well. I mean, almost 30 points a game. Amazing. He's playing fantastic. Almost five, here's the thing that's good. Almost five rebounds a game, which is, that's, that's, a, that's a very impressive statistic for somebody 6'3". And 6.3 assists. So I would say that he has a legitimate gripe, without question. Yeah. Those we made nice, USAA really nice insurance numbers. for busy 30 guys. points, five rebounds, and six assists. It's, it's pretty impressive. It is. 
And so I think what happens is a lot of times they took into account maybe another guy in a team that's doing better. But the thing is, you don't do it by yourself. And if you don't have good teammates, your team may not do that well. And so it should be based on the performance. So I'd have to see all of the guys at that position that were picked and compare them statistically to one another and see, you know, who, you know, where they stand. That would be the best way to do it. Yeah. So, but the thing is, I don't care that much about that stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's nice to play well and doing everything, especially, I mean, get the recognition and do it and all. And, but I can't, I just don't like what's happened. I'm happy that they're putting these new rule changes. I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I may even watch, I'll record and watch <laughs> and, and see if it really does have an impact on the way the guys go after it because of the monies involved with the charities and stuff and actually having each quarter have a significance. So I like that aspect. I think that was, they came up with a, an interesting concept and let's Could see you, how it plays out. Rick, I, my one issue with this is that it is not easily explained. I mean, they, this is not a simple format. Could you explain to everyone it's listening? It's simple. All right, go for it. What is it? I mean, they have charities involved. What does that mean? Charities. You mean, mean to you donate mean money, money $300,000 for every quarter, I think it is. But what the format of the game itself, like how, like how is this going to work? Gonna play, they're going to play each quarter, whoever wins the quarter, $300,000 okay. will go to that charity. So there's money on the line for this, okay? Okay. Then it's each one of the quarters. And then you take the total amount of points that they have to start the fourth quarter because each quarter is individual. Mm -hmm. But at the start of the fourth quarter, you add up the three quarters for each team, okay? And then when – and so then they have to go and they have to score 24 points. The first team to score 24 points, I think it is, in the fourth quarter. Uh, let me see. I think I have it on my phone, the whole thing. I think I kept that. It took a See, Rick, and that is my entire issue with this thing is the fact that – the fact It does that you come – no, it no, up. it is. It, yeah, but so <laughs> yeah. what? They'll, you know what? Here's the deal. Who cares? They're going to explain it on television anyway. So you can just watch it. <laughs> They're going right. to go over it. They'll list it all. They'll tell you, here's the deal. Here's what's going to happen. Let's take a serious look at it. So I have it in front of me here. It says at the start, okay, of, off. At the start of the fourth quarter, the right. game clock will be turned off. Right. And a final target score will be set. In other words, whoever reaches this score first wins. And the final target right. score is determined by taking the leading team's total cumulative score right. through three and quarters and adding, adding 24 points. points to it because in honor of Kobe. And so that team has to score 24 points to win. The other team may have to score more if they're trailing by six or eight or 10. They have to score 34 and get to that number before the other team does. So you're saying you're taking the difference this is, I'm still, I still don't get it. So you're saying, so let's say the leading team has scored a hundred points through three quarters, right? How many do they need to score for in the fourth? For, to, in the fourth quarter, 124 would be the total 24 points added onto that leading score. So in if they one have to quarter, 24 points, no, plus the hundred, there's no though, quarter. Right? There's no quarter. So you're saying the first team to get to 124 wins. The Isn't first that a lot team, of, yes, but they already have a hundred. So oh. now they're going to play that quarter, and when they score 24 points, they will win that quarter. If the other team had 96, they've oh. got to score. They've got to score 28 points to win the game. I see. So, so the the team who's behind has, has to, to reach that. Okay, I see. I get it. Has now. to reach the now. number 24 points more than the team that's ahead. That they they have get to get 24 points. They have to the, the team that's leading has to score 24 points in that last quarter. Or Let that me last ask you this part right. of it. Here, here was my proposal for the All-Star Game. What if you went back old school, made it East versus West, but you awarded every player in the winning team $5 million each, just cash? Wouldn't you have a group of 12 players playing their asses off trying to win? I don't know. I mean, $5 million. I mean, if, that's my guess. That's my proposal. I think you would have a great game. Well, they're never going to do it. I mean, it's too much freaking money. I mean, <laughs> it's too much money and it's crazy. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, and even if you put the dollars on it, I mean, even for them, I mean, for these guys, they're making so much money. I know. I think but it's about mil, the money. But five mil is a lot. Even if you are like LeBron, I think that's still a decent amount. Of, you, you'd want that $5 million. You know, you'd actually be playing hard for it. I, think. I would think that you would. I would hope that you would. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I would. You know, Hell, uh, I was killing myself for a couple of thousand. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you saw this, by the way. Uh, it, it's it, we. It's the same individual who who brought up the ball apocalypse, right? His name is Rob Perez. He's got a great Twitter account. 
Uh, he's worldwide wob. He made a fascinating proposal. And I think, I think you would love this too, but I'd love to hear what a, a hall of famer would have to say on this idea that part of all-star weekend is an event called the one-on-one grudge match where basically every feud individual feud you have in the NBA. And a perfect example of this would be Dame Lillard versus Russell Westbrook, right? Two star players who just really do not like each other that much. Uh, and have them play a one-on-one game. No, <laughs> the, the people would want it's it. Not, and again, the, yeah, the people might want it, but you could, you know, it's not, that's not what the game is not about one-on-one. Although, know, they, although, although the way game is played now, there's so much freaking one-on-one. I almost want to throw up. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I just love, I was taught how to play the game the way the game was designed to be played. Right. And the teams that win championships generally play the game that way. Mm-hmm. For the majority, majority of the game. On offense and defense, they do the things you're supposed to do. That's the I think that's the redeeming thing about the NBA, despite all the garbage that you see out there and the stuff that if you really are a purist and love the game the way it was designed to be, that's the one redeeming quality. There's no team in all the years that I've watched and been involved in the sport in all different aspects have I seen a team win a championship that wasn't one of the better defensive teams and played unselfishly. Yeah. And then and played like a team. It's very Too much true. one-on-one. There's just so much. It's just, I mean, even when watching my son's game over there, and it was so funny. They played unbelievable the first game I saw on Saturday. They scored like 130 points. Even the, some of the guys and saying, oh, that was so much fun. I mean, they passed. They may have had, and this is what I love more than anything. They had in that game, I've never seen a game ever, ever. And I've seen a lot of games in my life where I saw as many Great passes on back cuts for baskets. Hmm. Cyrus, it was unbelievable. I mean, they it was beautiful to watch. Absolutely beautiful to watch how they moved without the ball. It was, I said, wow, this is hmm. great. This is great basketball. And then they go out and play the next game. They start out doing the thing and nice and do it. And then all of a sudden back and they put subs in back to the one-on-one garbage. And it's just, I don't like watching that. I really don't. I agree. And I think that's why no one likes watching the Rockets. That's all, that's all they play. You know, it's just a lot of one-on-one. You don't see that ball movement, that championship teams. Occasionally you do though. Occasionally you'll occasionally. see it. Yeah, occasionally. But the thing is, it's just, it's, here's the thing. It's so much more fun to watch. But I'm telling you, as a player, it's so much more fun to play that way. To know you can get involved, to be willing to go ahead and put the extra effort in, to learn how to set your man up properly, to know that if you do something special and get yourself open, that your teammate's going to get the ball to you. Mm -hmm. It's fun. To me, it's the most fun to watch, too. I I feel like players like Jordan were the exception to... No, what no, but he, Jordan was different. They were in the triangle offense. They, they did five seconds to go. If they didn't get something, then they gave the ball to Michael. You can still do the same thing now. Push it up the floor. Yes. That's the whole thing. Push it, push it, push it. Move, cut, pass. Then you have a guy because the guys all can do it anyway. They all could get create. Most of them can create their own shot. When you get the five seconds, the guy give the ball to one of your guys that can do that, and now you get a shot. But ideally, you don't want to have to do that. But to come down and walk it up the floor – and have one guy have it in his hands for 18, 20, 21 seconds of the 24-second clock? That's ludicrous. You can't handle the truth. People can't handle the truth, Rick. I just played some chat because you're having audio issues, or we are for this episode. Um, sounds good. Yeah, well, I you know, anyway, it is what it is. It's yeah. going to be fun to see what happens. Uh, we'll talk more about what happens with the final trades that are going to take place and see if anything major comes to to pass and then we could talk a little bit about the uh where they stand going into All-Star when we talk on the next show prior yeah. to the All-Star game. To the All- no, I'm not even call All-Star game, to the All-Star weekend. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> are you I'm, an I, I I refuse I refuse to call it a game. <laughs> until they show me that if maybe this format will work and change it a little bit, because what I've watched over the last decades or so uh, is appalling to me. It really truly is. And I think most <laughs> players and the guys that I know when I'm around, especially when I'm doing the big three stuff and coaching around George Gervin and Peyton and these guys and all, they all feel the same way. The older guys all feel the same way because it had meaning. It had significance. Mm-hmm. It was something you looked forward to that you're proud of being a part of. And now, I mean, if they could get out of it, they probably would get out of it. Most of them. That's interesting, huh? Uh, are you are you involved this year in the All Star game? Are they bringing you in for anything? No, 
Nope. So, and this as well, Chicago in February. <laughs> yeah, forget that. I think I'll stay down here. I'll be playing a little pickleball. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a little opening for my Vijuvia Life Centers that I'm doing. Oh, by the way, people, you know, check it out if you'd like to do it. I just did a couple more, the cameo.com. Mm. Uh, I'm doing the video uh, messages for people. It's kind of fun. Actually, actually, this one came from some people from China. Interesting. The last one I just did. Yeah, it was some people from China. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting format that they have there. Kind of do to get a little bit of a connection with the fans. Yeah. Kind of nice. So, yeah. enjoy that. And, uh, yeah. So, cameo, you have a, have a cameo.com. Cameo.com. Yeah, cameo.com. And it's a great way, again, for if you just want a personalized message from NBA yeah. Hall of Famer Rick Barry. And people yeah. can follow Rick Barry on social media on all platforms at Rick24Barry. You can follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRoadShow. Uh, we were supposed to do a show today with the folks at Warriors Huddle. It was just a scheduling snafu. We will nail this at some point. Bram seems like a great guy, and I'd love to have you know another person to, to throw feedback at. Rick, always yeah. a pleasure, sir. And well, hopefully we can do that. Maybe we'll do that next week, and we yeah. can talk about a whole bunch of other things with them as well, and we'll get a little more insight from them who are <laughs> so totally immersed in, uh, in what's going on with the Warriors. So it'll be nice to get their take on what they think is transpiring over there. So everybody, have a great day. Uh, have a great week and weekend coming up, and uh, God bless everyone and their family for Cyrus Satchis and Warriors 24. This is Rick Barry saying so long. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 